Good morning. This is Michael Stoller for the Stoller Real Estate Report on the Cats Roundtable. This morning, I have Ronnie Levina, Senior Managing Director for Meridian Capital, one of the largest intermediaries for financing. Ronnie, is there money for real estate financing? You know, especially with the high interest rates so far over there, um, you know, all, all of the difficulties we are out there. Is there really money out there for real estate financing? Yeah, I think that's a, a nuanced question, but generally speaking, there's money and liquidity in the system. But as a general statement, leverage is, is down and pricing is up. So that's the paradigm that we find ourselves in. So I think for high-quality projects, high-quality sponsors, you can get your deals financed, but they're requiring more equity than they used to. And the cost of capital is significantly increased as all the indexes are up. I like to say there's nowhere to hide in the yield curve anymore from SOFR on the short end of the curve all the way up to the 10-year Treasury. Generally speaking, every one of those indexes is above 4%. Um, so, you know, when, when you're adding a spread to that, generally cost of capital is expensive. What about loan to cost? Well, given the interest rate environment that we're in, most lenders look at what they call the exit debt yield or, or how refinanceable that loan is. So really what they're doing is they're stressing the refinance of these deals. So they can only lend you know, a certain amount of money based upon what they think the loan can be refinanced at. So leverage is generally down in the senior mortgage market on a construction loan. That can be anywhere from 40 to 55% loan to cost, uh, depending upon the bank and, and the project. I mean, the good news about the market is, though, there's a lot of um, ways to kind of get additional leverage in the stack through preferred equity or mezzanine financing. So it, for my novices who are listening to the show, what is preferred equity, mezzanine loans? Sure. I mean, there are various forms of subordinate financing. So if you think about the capital stack, you start out at the base, which is your senior mortgage, and then the most subordinate or the first loss piece is generally your common equity. So what you're doing is filling in between the senior mortgage and the common equity. So mezzanine financing is another form of debt generally secured by a pledge of the partnership interest. So their collateral is really they, they're taking a pledge of the ownership interest in the borrowing entity as opposed to a, a mortgage on the real estate. So they don't have a second mortgage generally. It's not a direct lien on the property. They're really leaning the partnership interest. And preferred equity is, is really a hybrid debt equity product where they're coming in as a partner in the deal, but they have preferred returns um, you know, and then there's some kind of a waterfall in the distributions. And then if you basically have some kind of a default under the preferred equity, they get enhanced control remedies. They can sell the property. They may be able to kick out the sponsor. Um, so, you know, but again, these are all add to the cost of the project. So, you know, if you're taking MES or preferred equity, the cost of that capital needs to be put into your, your budget, and it will definitely dilute the returns of the deal. So how much can you get if you put preferred equity and all the other nuances? Look, I mean, we've done deals upwards of 80 85% loan-to-cost financing, but generally when you get up that high, you're giving a participation in the upside of the deal, which means they're, they're, they're going to participate in the equity upside. I think with a straight coupon, meaning they're not participating in the upside, you're probably in the 75 to 80% loan-to-cost range. Um, but every deal is different. It depends on, you know, if somebody owns a piece of land at a great basis and the metrics of the deal work, then, then you may be able to push the leverage higher without having to give any piece of the upside of the deal. What's happening with the multifamily financing today, especially without 421As? 
Well, look, I mean, multifamily, depending if we're talking about construction or perm financing, but I think in the permanent loan market, you're very fortunate to be in the multifamily sector because you've got Fannie and Freddie um, very actively putting out financing. So as the banks have kind of stepped back, given kind of the regulatory scrutiny and the amount of deposits that have walked out the door into the major banks or into the treasury market, you've seen the local regional banks really stepping back in a significant way. The good news is Fannie and Freddie have been very active. Um, the construction lending side of the market, it's a little bit more challenging. There's probably less liquidity in that sector. Um, you know, that being said, we just closed a $252 million construction loan for a ground-up deal in, in Coney Island. So there, there's money out there. But again, better projects, better sponsors, and that deal took us a very long time to put together. It was a syndicated loan. Several banks come into the syndicate, um, and it was a best efforts deal, meaning that, that all the banks had to show up and close simultaneously. So it's, it's, it's a challenging market, but, but deals are getting done. Has anyone taken over for the uh, First Republic and the Signature market? Look, Signature and First Republic were were very significant contributors to the commercial real estate market um, in in the tri-state region. First Republic actually, you know, nationally. I mean, Signature was actually doing some business in California before they shut down as well. So I think it'll take some time for the amount of deal flow that they had to get digested. Um, I haven't seen anybody step up Look, the market right now doesn't lend itself to any one bank stepping up to take over, but you've seen, you know, a lot of the signature clients have ended up with, uh, you know, with New York community bank or Flagstar from just the migration of, of their deposits, you know, first Republic obviously went over to JP Morgan. So you're, you know, but it, it, the dust hasn't settled yet in the bank market. I think it's going to take another year or two to figure out who are going to be the dominant forces in the kind of the local or regional banking market right now. What's happening in the Gowanus? Gowanus is very active. Um, we're working right now on a, on a construction loan. Obviously, you know, the 421A um, and kind of the, you know, the, the outside deadline for the 421A is becoming uh, an issue that we're contending with. Um, but most of the projects in the Gowanus um, have been financed or close to being financed, and there's some talk of a government, you know, backstop to the 421A with a, pro- a program that I, I'm not sure whether it comes to fruition or not. But there's been some talk of almost similar to like a pilot that you've seen in Long Island, where they would do kind of a, you know, some kind of a, a backstop to the 421A. But that market is extremely active right now. Um, you know, every other block is under construction. What about, speaking of under construction, Mott Haven in the Bronx? I was just in Mott Haven last week touring a building that we did a construction loan on less than two years ago. The building's finished um, 20 months. They built it, um, and they're starting to lease. And, you know, when you look at what the investment that Brookfield has put into that market and the institutional capital that's flooded there, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of supply there, but I think... It's a price point play, I think, to Manhattan, and I think it's got good transportation connectivity. Um, you know, these buildings are brand new, highly amenitized, um, efficient units. So I think if you're looking at a walk up in upper Manhattan or you could be in a brand new unit with a lot of amenities in Mott Haven, I think that's generally the, the, the tenancy that, that is going there. And Let's, I think once all Brookfield's buildings open up and there's obviously development to the north in Mott Haven as well, there's just a ton of new product there. 
I think it'll take a couple of years for that market to kind of fully absorb the units and also get more of a kind of quality of life aspect to it. You need some more retail to open up, but it's definitely closer than further. What about the B and C office buildings, refinancing of them? That is uh, about as challenging a space as you can find in the commercial real estate sector is financing B and C office buildings. Um, you know, it's it's very challenging to say the least. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. What's your thoughts about the conversion of office buildings into residential? I think everyone talks about it, and it's a nice soundbite, but the practicality of it is, is, you know, when you look at the floor plates of a lot of these office buildings and the cost that it takes to convert, to me, it's just you need a massive reset in basis for any of this to make sense. So, it, you know, you need to get the building below land basis to make these buildings work. People throw around numbers like $250, $300 a square foot to get the building, you know, the conversion costs are expensive, and the challenge you have with these office buildings is very rarely do you find a vacant building. So you have to basically sit there and carry the building while you lease it down. You have to get vacant possession of the building, and oftentimes you don't know what's behind the walls. Um, so the costs are a little bit harder to project than in a ground-up construction deal. That being said, look, there's some, you know, there's some high-profile conversions that have been done or are being done downtown. Um, but I don't think that's the answer to the office woes. I think a small percentage of the buildings will be converted, but I think there's got to be a, a different, someone's got to come up with a different alternative use um, as opposed to res, just saying these are all going to be residential. Last question, the hotel industry, which has improved quite a bit in New York. Yeah, the hotel industry has improved. Um, the occupancy and ADR numbers are quite impressive. Um, but the financing markets are still pretty challenging for hotels. Um, you know, I think a lot of the hotels historically were, were generally speaking, over leveraged. When you look at the, the debt yield that they were financed at or the basis per key, um, I think there needs to be some deleveraging in the hotel space. And right now the lenders are kind of, you know, when you look at a refinance, you know, a lot of these hotels are financed at double what they could get financed at today. So there's a challenge in that. On an acquisition, you can get financing. You can get financing for ground-up construction hotel at the right basis. Um, but the leisure, I mean, look, if you ask anybody that's trying to go on vacation and trying to book a hotel anywhere, it, it, it's a tight market. Uh, you know, it, it's hard to get a hotel room, and the costs are generally up. But, you know, New York's got its own peculiar set of, you know, the, the, the union costs of running a hotel in Manhattan are quite prohibitive. When you layer on the real estate tax burden and the union issues, it's a difficult business in Manhattan to make money. So, you know, we, we don't have the crystal ball like we did on the TV show. <laughs> it, it sounds that 
there is money for real estate under different terms and conditions. You should be a well-capitalized new borrower as opposed to a new borrower. And I think people with, like Ronnie Levine will help you get there, and I'd like to thank you for being here today. Thank you, Michael.